Welcome to the Medical Liability Minute, where we talk for more than a minute. I am your host, Jeff Siegel, and I am joined today by Terry Ross, and I'm really excited to have her on board. I've known Terry for several years, and I've never had a dull moment with her, and I think that she will probably agree that um, that we've uh, had an interesting and productive professional relationship. So a little bit about her background. She's CEO and founder of APX by Terry Ross, and we'll do a deep dive into that. Uh, Terry is a world-renowned practice management consultant and international speaker in the medical aesthetics community, although her reach is probably far broader than just medical aesthetics. She has partnered with hundreds of aesthetic practices to launch, grow, and scale upwards of one plus million dollar revenue with underscore of the word plus. She spent 15 years working for Fortune 500 medical device companies, leading sales teams upward of $20 million consistently, ranking in the top 10% nationally. She was also selected by the American Medical Spa Association, that's AMSPA, as their official practice management consultant and sales trainer. In response to real-world challenges facing aesthetic practices, Terry launched APX, a business intelligence training and growth solutions platform for the medical aesthetics industry in areas of sales, finance, operations, and marketing analytics. And we will do a dive into that so you will know precisely what we mean. Anyway, thanks for joining us today, Terry. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. <laughs> You're right. We have never had a dull moment. I love our interactions. I love our fluidity and we just keep it real and authentic so i'm i'm so honored to be here and to to be able to serve your audience so while we're on a podcast we, you and i are talking on video and i think i shocked you a few seconds ago because you go hey did you shave your beard because i've had a beard for the past six years i'm not <laughs> sure you knew me pre-beard era but i love that comment it's always did you did you shave it well the answer is yeah i probably did <laughs> i actually like the way uh the way one of your um um your employees or consultants said they, they nicked themselves and then just took their entire face off by doing it. <laughs> but let's let's talk a little bit about you. I, I think the audience should know a little bit more about your background, who you are, what you do, how long you've been doing it. Take it away, Terry. Thank you so much for, again for the opportunity, Jeff. Yeah, so gosh, I am a uh, Midwest girl, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, lived there my whole life. Went to medical school at Wayne State University wanted to be a doctor, really decided that I preferred the business portion of medicine. So right out of college, I uh, my first sales position was with uh, a surgical division of Johnson & Johnson, which was Ethicon Endo, selling yeah. radioactive seeds for prostate cancer and uh, a treatment for melanoma. So I'll age myself here a bit, but um, I've really been in medicine, God, you know, 20 plus years longer if we're talking about consulting, but uh, working for Fortune 500 medical device companies in every different therapeutic area for about 15 years. I got into aesthetic medicine with Medicis back in 2007, and I uh, ran their sales team in California. So I moved from the Midwest to California. And, and what was Medicis known for, just to educate yeah. the audience? We've got a broad audience here, some aesthetic. Absolutely, sure. So Medicis now is owned by Gelderma, so big for their fillers, right? Uh, Disport, Perlane, Restylane. Restylane is their their big their big injectable that they're known for. Uh, so yeah, I ran their sales team in Los Angeles for a couple of years, and then I was recruited to Zeltique, which is now owned by AbbVie, which was Allergan, to launch Cool Sculpting in the U.S. and Canada. That was about 2010, 
10, 11. So that, that really got me going from, you know, my uh, different therapeutic areas into aesthetics. In so just to educate our audience, cool sculpting is the freezing technique for weight, I guess, loss or body sculpting. Maybe that's the proper euphemism, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah. Basically, it's, it's the only non-surgical treatment to remove fat, you know, without doing liposuction. Yeah. And how does it work? Uh, again, a lot of the people will yeah. know this, but not everybody. No, I, I love it. it. No, it, yeah. Learned about this. It was like they saw kids put a popsicle in their mouth <laughs> and had these dimples in their in yeah. their uh, cheek and said, "Hmm, I wonder what's going on there." Yeah, invented from Harvard, Rox Anderson, world-renowned physician, and uh, that's what it was. We kids were sucking on popsicles in the South and had fat loss, and then women actually riding horses. Um, the saddle was so cool. They were having fat loss in their thighs. I mean, how amazing is that? I'll go ride a horse to get my thighs thinner. <laughs> Somehow I'm thinking of Lady Godiva here, you know, <laughs> on going through the village without any clothes on when it's 10 degrees outside. And, and somehow the benefit is an aesthetic, aesthetically better appearance due to the burning of fat in the thighs. But Right. But amazing, I right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so that that's sort of been my stint, and then I transitioned from uh, from corporate in uh, 2011 and 12, and started my I started Terry Ross Consulting. I started a consulting company. Um, sit, frankly, I quit corporate because I was you know I, I was older when I had my daughter. I did mm -hmm. two rounds of fertility. I couldn't travel as much, and so um, I started this company really not even knowing where it would lead me. And then shortly thereafter, I, you know, being near Beverly Hills, I started getting calls from some really high profile plastic surgeons who said, hey, you know, can you really help me run my, you know, can you help me run my practice? Can you help me grow my practice? And at the time I was just like, shit, I've never done that before, but I'm, I'm certainly not one to say no. And uh, when so I think I, of grow a practice, I think the first thing that comes to mind would be how do you market, which is how do you get more people in the door? And then the next thing would be once people are in the door, how do you get them to, you know, to select yes as, a, as an option? I mean, that's where my head goes, but I'm probably I'm probably leaving a lot on the table by that uh, conclusion. Yeah, no, thanks, Jeff. I and well, you know, candidly, I think that that's what most people think. And I think that when we look at what it, in the growth, you know, 10 years ago, and what that means or meant to what it means today are two very different things. And I think that medical spas were just starting about 10 years ago. I remember sitting in Alex with AmSpa's first boot camp in LA. I mean, there might have been 10 people there back in the day. Um, so medical spas were starting. And I think that when physicians at the time said grow, it was how do I make more money? And then how do I incorporate the non-surgical into my practice and sort of combine the two? And that's, so that's that bringing, was, yeah. So that's bringing more money into the practice, but not, I think, Certainly when you're in business in general, that's an important component, but it's got to be the right money coming in also, meaning that you have to know how much it takes to deliver a particular service. And I'm sure you're going to dive into this, but mm -hmm. not all services are equal, correct? hundred percent. And I, and I think that that has evolved tremendously because I think that um, what, what I've really learned is being a consultant now for the past 10 years, having the opportunity to come from corporate and learn it from the external perspective and then work inside of offices 
I was a managing partner for a medical spa for five years too. So the unique thing about me is that I have tactical, practical, tangible experience where I've learned these best practices. I've learned what not to do and I've learned what to do that can help people exponentially grow. And I think that the gap in the market is such that there's no MBA school of aesthetics, right? Doc, you're a physician, you get it. You, 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 you guys treat patients and you do that well. And there's very few that have that business mentality and or there's no, again, MBA school for your team, for the girls answering the phones, the providers. So there's no consistency with training um, or any information for for practices to understand what what services yield the highest return on investment, what their gross profit should be, what their cost of labor should be. They don't know those things. I mean, having that knowledge would certainly inform how you want to spend your money on marketing. So, for example, if you have two different procedures that you perform, we'll call it um, low profitable procedure one and high profitable yeah. procedure number two, it makes sense to divert resources to the more profitable procedure as it relates to marketing, because the last thing you want to do is more of a unprofitable or less profitable procedure. I mean, sometimes you do it because you're providing full service or you're providing, or this is a loss leader. I know that um, for large um, single specialty practices, um, some, some divisions um, bring in less revenue. For example, pediatrics in mm -hmm. a surgical specialty practicing may actually bring in less revenue than the others, but you include it as a full service capability so that people don't have to think about you I mean, if you're an orthopedic practice, they you just want them thinking orthopedics, that's where they go no right. matter what. Because no matter what, you know, these people have relatives, they have friends, they have family, et cetera, mm -hmm. and you just want to deliver the best possible service. But if you're a much smaller practice, you have to use the business intelligence to make informed decisions yeah. on how you're going to allocate resources. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Jeff. I mean, you're 100% accurate. And I think now more than ever, especially coming out of COVID. I know we're all kind of sick of talking about it, but I think that the aesthetic space is, uh, it's highly competitive, right? You would agree, highly competitive. It can be considered a commodity. Med spas are growing at exponential rates because people like internal medicine, OB-GYN, dentists, the reimbursements, you know, frankly are poor. And they look at this this business as a cash cow. And that being said, there's so much education that has to come around starting a medical spa or even incorporating these services to your point so that, you know, I always talk about there's riches in the niches and hmm. people shouldn't be everything to everybody, but it is making sure you're not cannibalizing procedures, right, that 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 are a low ROI where you could be spending your time. And I think it goes back to benchmarks that there are very specific benchmarks for plastic surgeons, what they should generate per hour, for a medical spa practice, what they should generate, for an esthetician, for an NP. And most people don't know that. So candidly, they're losing, you know, we, we've, we've spent so much time in COVID actually analyzing so much data when practices were losing money that they just fundamentally don't know. And if they did know these things, right? I say like one's a lonely number, like do what you do, stay in your lane which is what, what, what helps me from a humble perspective, be able to serve and impact more people because we're able to educate them and show them how they can have exponential financial growth, be more efficient, make more money, be more profitable if they actually look at the data. 
So I think the first step is probably an audit of what things look like at one point in time, or at least a retrospective look of what the past year may have looked like. Um, walk through the process of how you analyze data for a new client. What is it that you are doing for them? What do you need to gather this intelligence? And then how do you trans translate that into actionable recommendations? So I gave you three yeah. questions there, so I apologize <laughs> for loading up okay. at me. Yeah, that's okay. I'll break it down too. So we'll talk a little bit about Apex which was developed in the middle of COVID, and I'll explain why. But if people hire us from a, for a private consulting basis, which is usually a six or 12 month engagement or longer, we do. We do about a 20, it's about a 21 page document. It is a full blown robust practice assessment and evaluation. And we look at everything from your location, the services you offer, the prices you charge, how long it takes, your team, your payroll, your P&L, um, your revenue per hour, so there's two KPIs that we hone in on a lot, which is your revenue per hour, which can be viewed at three ways, per room, per service, and as a company. And then we look at your profit per treatment. And once we're able to identify, and then we look at, again, so many other things, your marketing, your leads, your conversions, your retention, um, that how your software is set up, you know, I, what, what's become so apparent is that, you know, it's garbage in, garbage out. And mm -hmm. as a consultant, it was so sad, frankly, that it was so difficult. We would spend countless hours looking at just data that made no sense because appointment times were wrong. And what I realized, and I, and I work really closely with most of the practice management software companies, but those companies are not tasked to help a practice set up the software in the right way, the way a consultant would look at it. So when I ask for a 12 month revenue by service report, I should get clear numbers and it's not like that. So, um, so you're right. So we do that deep dive and then from there, we're able to identify and pick apart, I hate to say everything that's wrong, but I'll call it areas of opportunity. And we write them a very detailed action plan of what to do to fix it. I mean, do you also um, do you also explain what is working well? I mean, it's yeah. like anything else. Sometimes things are moving in a proper direction. And if it is, you want to do more of whatever it is you mm -hmm. are doing. And if things are moving in um, a bad direction, then obviously that's an opportunity uh, for change and improvement, which would deliver your value proposition. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, it's interesting. Um, I And this may be a strained analogy. I sometimes see letters from attorneys to doctors describing um, everything that they did wrong, you know, that they, they've they done a thousand things wrong. And truth <laughs> be told, that becomes almost confusing because mm -hmm. while there may be some liability, it's typically related to one thing or two things, not to 500 things. And when you pile yeah. on like that, it's almost too much, too confusing, overwhelming to the point that nobody really wants to take any action. So it seems like part of your challenge is not just identifying the problem, but prioritizing it and communicating it in such a way that people feel like they, they can do it. Yeah. Well, I think what I, you're absolutely right. And while it sounds like a lot, and it is a lot when we do the assessment, but I think you, you are, um, you hit the nail on the head when you said that it's usually a couple of things. And you know, I'll, if I can just shift for a second and talk a little bit about APEX because it's indicative of this, yes. this conversation is that 
you know, um, I was, I came off the medical spa show last year in January. You were there, right? Our boots were next to each other. Yeah, and had a beard uh, <laughs> at the time. You had a beard, right? Um, and uh, we're throwing it down with some swear words here, but, um, you know, I got sick in March and then COVID hit and I, I realized quickly, you know, in I would say April, April, May, the phone started ringing, you know, part of me was terrified, like, what the hell was I going to do as a consultant, because I right. speak all over the country. Um, and then on the flip side, what happened was, I think, practices, um, I hate to say for the first time, but I think they they really were hit hard with, you know, losing money, doors being shut. And you're dependent being... upon these for your living, yeah. correct? I uh, mean, so they put bread yeah. on your table. Um, your yeah. financial health is tied to their financial health. Absolutely. And um, when that when that hit, I could have, you know, wallowed in my sorrows and, you know, pondered what the hell was I going to do. But for those of you that know me, you know, I'm a single mom. I have my daughter seven. And I'm just a hustler. And I really took the time, my team and I, and we sat down and we said, you know, okay, as a consultant, what are what are the what are the consistent challenges the industry faces as a whole? And you're right, this can go to any any medical therapeutic area, dentist, it doesn't matter. And those challenges were when we do discovery calls with clients, we ask four questions, or four questions typically come out that every practice wants. Sounds that like they Passover. Want yeah. <laughs> right, you're right. They want they want to make more money, right? They want more revenue. Mm -hmm. They want a team that can sell. And what I mean by that is right, that, that can train, that can cross-sell, upsell, that can educate. Mm -hmm. They want to be more efficient and and they want to be more profitable. And so how do you get them to do that when then the next phase becomes, well, mm, you know, I'm okay with status quo or I don't really have any time. And you know. That's kind of bullshit because look, if you if you want to grow, right, you're going to do whatever it takes. Now you use the analogy, right, that you know when you love someone, your loved one, you're going to do anything for them. We all didn't get into this aesthetic business to be average. No one wants to be mediocre. So how do we how do we take action? How do we go from where we're at today, and how do we go? How do we move that forward? And I use a bridge as an example, and the bridge is speed. And I'm going to help you get there faster. I'm going to help you. Our team is going to help you save time, save money, right? Avoid costly mistakes. And we've proven the model. So what we did in COVID when I, we couldn't travel is uh, I, I, I met an investor in June, in June of last year, almost a year ago now. And he had, you know, about 15 technology companies, SaaS companies, which are software as a service. Mm -hmm. And he said, Terry, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to impact more lives. I want to serve. I want to support. I want to fill the gap in the market. And the gap is this. Like I said, there is no MBA school of aesthetics. There's no place you can go to learn how to run a practice. So if you're a physician, you're a provider, that's what you do well. You get out of medical school, you start a business, and you know you, you kind of go with it. And there are some people that do it great and are super successful. The majority need help. And so training is the core component. Right. There's no place to go for a sales training course for your team or a financial course to learn how to operate and run a sustainable business model. So training was the foundation. So uh, we had developed uh, Apex was built around these five core fundamental things, training being one of them. So we have a sales training curriculum. We have a financial curriculum. And once you know how to do those things, it leads you into the second phase, which is what we called abacus. And so knowing 
that our company was spending so much time analyzing shitty data, for a lack of better terms, we backed into what what are the solutions that, that we look for? And the solutions we look for is what, Jeff, you, you've been saying. Where, where are your expenses? What are your cost of goods? What do you generate per hour? What is your most profitable treatment? And what does your team look like? And those KPIs can tell me an answer. Then I can actually guide you to move the needle. So K KPI for people that aren't familiar, key performance indicators, you know, um, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that's correct. And so, and so just to follow that thread, um, getting so identifying uh, opportunities also need to be benchmarked, meaning that, and yeah. I think this taps into the competitive nature of those who happen to have ended up in healthcare. Most of the people mm -hmm. who ended up in healthcare did so by climbing over other people <laughs> in the in the <laughs> right. food chain of life. Uh, but in doing so, it does self-select for people who are, by their very nature, competitive. But I think to compete well, you need to know where you stand relative to everyone else. And I think no no physician I know wants to be below average. They don't wake up every day and say, you know what, I'm pretty cool being below average, and that's just my <laughs> lot in life. Everybody... It's like Lake Wobegon. Everybody wants to be above average. But mm -hmm. if you don't have benchmark statistics at your fingertips, you don't know. I What I have know, yeah. learned is that if you stick data in front of physicians, it could be how much you're spending. It could be how much yeah. uh, what your reviews look like or whatnot. If you're an outlier, the problem solves itself, meaning that you just identify mm -hmm. you have to first identify yeah. what the issue is. But if if a doctor is perceived as an outlier based on the data, then mm -hmm. that's the first step in in acknowledging that there's a path to the middle or even beyond the middle to the right side of the bell curve. And uh, and in doing so, um, I think you can see a better result. But that's I'm guessing you have benchmark data. Is that uh, I do. Yeah. Well, I think that that's one component of it. I think that um, that. You know, again, if we just peel back the onion of the of the need yeah, and the gap, because I have some investors and that's what they looked at. What is the need? What is the gap? Mm -hmm. The gap in the market is what I said. There's no school. There's no course. You can attend a seminar and you come back and you plop the binder on your desk when you get back. And then you're like, hey, I got to go do surgery or see a patient. And nobody's there to execute. So we we developed these courses to that are consistent, that are evergreen, so that a practice is armed with the tools. And then we know that practice management software is a necessity, but the data that comes out of that software is raw data. Practices mm -hmm. don't know what to do with the data. The data doesn't tell you anything. So we right. worked with a CPA firm and created these um, seven financial optimization calculators that actually spit out information. They spit out your profitability. They spit out your gross profit, your revenue per hour. We built compensation calculators. We know that Again, working so tightly with you guys and AmSpa that you know a lot of people are paid illegally, right? They're still paid commission, and you can't do that. So that was one thing. You know, marketing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, again, reviews are such a, a big thing. We realized that people were logging into Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, like email marketing, like twenty different places. So that we we basically compiled in our third component, which is Lucid. Uh, you can plug up to 50 API integrations. So you can look at how your business is performing in our APX dashboard on one dashboard. 
And then um, I think to talk about competitive benchmarking data, I signed an exclusive uh, relationship with Ronan Solutions, which provides statistical validated data to ASAPs. So now practices can actually compare themselves to others, which mm. is fantastic. And then I think the last piece to Apex is that I just, we didn't want to be a company. We're very high touch, high customer service, and that every Tuesday we still provide ongoing coaching. So every Tuesday practices that are part of our Apex community, one now have solutions. They have a, 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 a platform that provides them solutions and then they still have coaching with us every Tuesday. So is that Tuesday coaching, um, a collective group coaching? Is that correct? So everybody can mm-hmm. uh, can pose questions, for example. Everybody learns from everyone else. Is that absolutely it is? is. A yeah. Statement? Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. So go through an example of how this may have um, how how you have worked with a potential client from the beginning, and then. Mm-hmm the tools you brought to the table, the advice you brought and how it, I'm assuming it moved the needle. I'm assuming there's yeah. still clients of yours and in doing so, <laughs> uh, they would yeah. have to say, well, why am I still a client? Because this works. So yeah. jump in and no, keep, make it thank real. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I appreciate the question. Um, right, so again, there's two ways. We can either do private consult consulting, but if we're, we're talking about APAC specifically or frankly, yeah. either one, right? Um, uh, we have a we have a client right now, and they they were just at the M Spa meeting. I showcased them everywhere. Literally, a medical spa in uh, in Pembroke Pines. They grew 1.2 million dollars in COVID, and I'm we're I'm super proud of them and proud of the work we've done. And it's what we did. We started off with that practice assessment. We were able to identify again the areas of opportunity, what was well. Um, this group of people, they were, they were just balls to the wall. They were ready to make change. They listened to our advice, which means was a couple of things, right? I went out there, I did a sales training curriculum with them. They studied the finance course. We looked at their services. They stopped, they eliminated procedures that were not making them money. They increased their prices by 15%. They reallocated their marketing dollars toward the treatments that were yielding a higher return on investment. They understood the benchmarks of what the rooms needed to generate per hour. So they were able to coach, right? If somebody was doing 400 an hour, how do we get them to six or seven? They were able to coach and identify that. We looked at their productivity metrics, right? What percent of the time are you busy and their utilization? And you know, we got them a new website, we trained their team and you know, basically got their, their finances under control from a perspective on the PL that I want to see revenue coming in, but I want to see, you know, revenue, I want to see that cost of goods and the cost of labor tied to that particular right treatment, because you just mentioned benchmarks. So cost of labor should be under 20%. Gross profit should be over 50. That's after you pay labor. And people just don't know that. And that is the shit that makes people lose money because they just don't fundamentally know. When you work with us, or you are a part of Apex, the calculators are in there. So you take the course, the calculators spit out the answer. And now on one sheet of paper, you can actually go, oh my God, I'm losing money here. I'm making money here. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to start this and I'm going to reallocate my money. And it just, it works. The growth is there. I would think if nothing else, the financial course would be valuable in and of itself only because well, I can speak from personal experience, never got any of that training whatsoever in medical school, residency, yeah. fellowship, et cetera. You just kind of learn it 
if you truly do learn it, I'm not sure you actually learn it out in the real world. And some of us do go back and get business training or MBAs, but it's, it's a broad MBA. I mean, an MBA that's sure. broad, that just goes over the general principles of business, but not specific to healthcare practice. And there probably are healthcare MBAs, but even then it's probably um, associated with you know, running a hospital or healthcare system as opposed to running right. a bread and butter uh, practice. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. And uh, Robbie, she's she's our consultant. She has new development. She's fantastic. We get very granular. There's seven modules in that finance course. And it is really like finance for dummies and aesthetic medicine, either plastic surgery or med spa, because we go through how to build a forecast what is your P&L need to look like? Mm -hmm. what, what's the P&L? What's the balance sheet? How do you create goals and a compensation structure that's legal and then motivating? How do we look at what those KPIs are? How do we look at your service categories and your cost of goods that are aligned to your software system? So you're right, that in of itself, um, I mean, we're, we're so proud of that course because people have come out of this. And when we're on these coaching calls, the feedback has been like, I've waited 13 years for this. Um, I have a plastic surgery in Texas just said, holy shit, Terry, I went back for the last two years and cleaned up my books. I actually know what I'm doing now. So we've been so proud of building this and to make something so affordable that we can actually reach and impact the masses um, by having everything just tied into to one nice platform. So, Terry, I don't know if it's appropriate or inappropriate to talk about what the pricing is, but if you yeah. want, if you're comfortable sharing it um, and I would say jump in and shout it out to the world. <laughs> no, so it's, it's, yeah, Apex, it's, we made, it's 5,000, it's basically 49.97. It's an annual recurring fee of 49.97. Um, and you get all of those features, those five core components. Um, and again, I think the cherry on top is that you get me and my team every single Tuesday making sure, and it doesn't even have to be about Apex. It can be about your practice. It can be about anything you want to talk about that we are there really to support you, to make sure that you guys are accountable, that you, you know, do the right things. You know, I think we talk about again, you know, how do you get from here to there? And the people that, you know, people always talk about knowledge is power, but it's not, that's not true. You know, it's action. Action is power and action is results. And if we want to get out of our stuck, you know, doing the same shit all the time, that whole definition of insanity, then, then here is something that again everybody can afford right the our return on investment is exponential and and they stay they they see you know they see quick results i mean it's like a diet you have to stick to it i mean once yeah. people <laughs> hear about a fad diet they go i'm in i'm in i'm gonna do it and then you know three <laughs> weeks later after the excitement <laughs> fades and you just have to stick to it a lot of people just say well i'm done with that and mm -hmm. it's not dissimilar to people that go to a one and done class. They come back with a big binder. Yeah. They're excited. Yeah. They're saying we're going to make all these changes, but human nature being what it is, we all revert back to the mean and all these exciting changes we had planned. Well, they just get kicked down the yes. road till the yeah. next year. So I, I would think that part of the value proposition is just forcing people to stick to a long-term plan and not give up. No, I think, yes, you're right. And I, it's funny that you say that because I, I genuinely, like from my soul, I care so much about the success of these practices. And I've seen so much of the bad that, you know, I want to be there for them. And, and it's funny that my, my 
my lead investor, right? He'll, he'll, he'll use this analogy and he's like, Terry, you know, cause I'll be like, Hey, you know, how do we make sure these people are utilizing these phone calls and jumping on? Because the ones that do, like you said, they're, they're so in it. And he's like, look, you know, you can get into Harvard, but if you don't go to class, it's not Harvard. And I think it's mm -hmm. so true. The people that it takes two to tango, we're here to give everybody the tools and the resources. And, and, and we hope that the people that take action really want to be different, right? They want to be in that 1% and make these changes that have such significant value. So the modules that you're talking about, uh, let's say they're financial models, and you do this mm -hmm. for year one, year two, is there advanced training or additional training or, or um, more of the same type of training to make sure people don't forget the principles? What and it may be premature to ask what you're doing about year two, year three for subscriptions because you're um, you're early in this yeah. evolution right now, and I don't want you to give away your entire business plan. Although, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of do actually. You're you're on the premier podcast, so yes, give it all away now. Yeah, I'm gonna give it away. No, it's crazy that you say that. So it's such an evolution. I have um, really I have three plastic surgeons, two that are were early adopters, beta investors. Um, the platform will be such an evolution because there's so much more to come. So we have seven financial calculators. We have four more to add. And again, they're all solution-based. So what's phenomenal is that people try to, so we, you know, we had a guy call us yesterday and he's just like, oh my God, I don't know how to really pay my team. And he tried to jump into like module six and he was confused. And I'm like, look it, you got to take the courses, right? I, I talk about building a house, right? I can't build the house with no foundation. I can't go call the architect and the, the, you know, the electrician and the plumber. And I can't do all that without the foundation. So the sales training curriculum is five modules. This finance is seven. Once you take those, you have, you have true information, right? Of, of what to do next. And they all feed upon one another. So the platform will continue to evolve um, as we, you know, get feedback from our users. We have about a hundred people on there right now. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're one and two. And I think what's phenomenal is that this is not practice management software. It's not, but the tools are based inside the platform. So you can pull up the calculators at any given time, right? And do them and update them and save them um, and just do a comparison year over year. But again, the greatest thing is, is that right now somebody could have SimClass, patient now, next tech, aesthetic record, whatever you have, right? And it doesn't do anything. You're going to run a report and say, oh, okay, cool. I made 150 grand this month. Well, what if you could have made 250 grand? Like, what if what's you could possible? Keep more of the 150. Right. What if, I mean, I think that's, there, there's this tendency to think what comes in, that's mostly what's yes. important, but really it's what you keep. <laughs> it's not just what comes yeah. in, it's what you keep. Um, well, it's what you keep. And then it's like, okay, of that 150, like what, what is possible? What I want people to realize, like, I want you to imagine if, right? Imagine if, what is possible? What if you actually, what if I can teach you what your revenue per hour is, what your benchmarks are, what are your cost of goods? I can reduce your expensive expenses, right? Show you where to make more money. And you could, you could generate, um, again, this practice of a, this client grew a million two in COVID just because they actually freaking had that's knowledge. <laughs> factual information to move the needle. And I think that's what we're really trying to show is that, and I just did this, I went to ASAPs a couple of weeks ago in Miami, the Aesthetic Society, and I did a two hour workshop with Dr. Barry Fernando. He's a plastic surgeon. And I did a webinar yesterday with Dr. Heather Furness. She is a key opinion leader 
her and her husband are plastic surgeons in Santa Rosa, and Stanford, Paco, and, Heather, yeah. Paco, Paco yeah. and Heather. And, you know, Heather wrote the book, The Business of Plastic Surgery. We did a webinar yeah. yesterday. And, you know, what I often hear, and we both talked about this, is that being busy does not mean being profitable. <laughs> that's true. And being busy means meant, being busy. <laughs> yeah. That's what it means. So what does that mean? And I think, right, when I start asking questions about, well, what is your profit margin? And what do your rooms generate per hour? And when I start asking, you know, they don't, they don't know. They don't know. And I'm like, well, what if I could show you, right? What would that mean for you? Like, what would be holding you back to not know that information? Because there's so much opportunity that's left on the table, even by people doing phone calls, right? You obviously, you, you have a marketing component to your business and these phone calls being lost because mm -hmm. the team can't convert them because they're not trained in sales. And I say that, but it, we're educating, right? They're not trained in how to do that. Or we're not looking at the leads coming in and being converted. We're not looking at the reviews to see where you're, if there's so many things that if they just have the tools and resources to know what to do, there's just so much growth. So if in a medical spa, as you're evaluating it, um, you probably see some commonalities in terms of some procedures that just are, our profit sucks. They they don't generate the type of profit. They may be a cost center, but not a profit center. Mm -hmm. Is there one in particular, for example, that comes to mind that if you could just give global advice, you should say think twice. Not, I mean, it's not universal advice, but it may be yeah. one that there's a disconnect between what people think and what the data tells you. It's kind of a loaded question, but I'll, I mean, I'll use a couple of different things. I'll give, yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll give two. And I'll, I mean, look, at, let's use hair removal, right? I mean, yeah. look, I, I get it, right? Everybody thinks it's a gateway like Botox and everybody needs it. And, and that might be true. But I mean, look, at, there are places like Laser Away and all of these. I don't want to say chop chops, you know, but they're, the, 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 the mentality of the, those business models are high volume, right? High volume, right. low fees. And so go let those places do that. Like if you want to play in the space, play hard, play big, play for real. Like, you know, play, train your practice like an athlete and do the things I, I, I tell clients, like, don't do that. Like, don't I wouldn't add laser hair removal. Like if you look at the things that make money, you know, when we talk about let's use a chemical peel versus a laser. Now, I get it if somebody can't afford it, but there's so many financing options now that there should be no reason that a, a, a patient should ever say no, because if you offer me financing, I'm probably going to take it, especially coming out of COVID. So why would I want to come in and get four to six chemical peels when I could do one laser? And that laser could yield me anywhere from 500 to a grand an hour. And part of it's describing the, you know, I'll call it the pitch for lack, lack of a better word. But if you have to do four to six peels to get to the same outcome. Yeah. There's also a cost to the patient, meaning that there's yes. downtime with each of that. And the the risk also probably accumulates with each individual session. So if you're doing four to mm -hmm. six sessions, that's different than a single session. And I'm sure there's risk and benefits for each uh, particular thing. So what I'm hearing you say is that if we use laser hair removal as an example, it's not that it's not particularly profitable globally. It's just that to make it profitable, you have to run it in a particular way. And for most practices, the way they're set up, it will not be profitable. Doesn't mean you can't do it, but if you're gonna do it, you've got to have a low cost, high volume opportunity where you are all in, not just dabbling in this. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, 100%. If you think about, 
when we talk about utilization, right? We talk about global, how many hours do you have in the month, right? Let's just use 160, that's the number mm -hmm. we use. So you're a provider, I'm a, pro how many hours are available to sell? How many rooms do you have available? Mm -hmm. And then how many providers do you have? And we have to look at that, that level of utilization and then what's happening in that room. So if we look at something like M-Sculpt, right? Everybody should know that, right? That's, that's a mix of that, the body contouring and the fat reduction by BTL. Okay, so it's not just cool sculpting, it's, it's, it's that muscle building, which is amazing. It's a 30 minute treatment and you mm -hmm. can charge $1,000 for 30 minutes and you don't need a provider to do it. You need to plop the paddles on my stomach and walk out. It's a freaking cash cow, right? So if we're, we're again looking at, and what's also interesting and what drives revenue per hour down is the time. So let's just say you're a provider and I'm a provider and you take an hour to do a filler and I take 30 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So even as an organization, as a practice, we have to have consistency with our appointment types and times. It can't just be you do it one way and I do it another way, right? We want to have some consistency because, you know, when we think about what has to happen in that room, if you're numbing a patient, that drives the revenue down. If you don't charge enough, it drives the revenue down. So looking at these calculators, it just becomes glaring in your face. <laughs> like, Wait, are what, you suggesting don't numb the patient or, uh, or, or <laughs> no, just no, you, should numb, you should numb the patient, okay. but if you can, I would encourage numb them in another, like numb them in a room. Oh, I see, like don't, a preset. Don't, exactly. don't take up a room that should make money. Like numb them yeah. in a, a numbing room if you could do that. I, I knew you were going to going in that direction. <laughs> I want to make sure that people didn't come away with the conclusion no, we don't need any type of no, aesthetic. No. <laughs> so you just you you take it. It's one and done. Take right. one for the team, etc. Right, exactly. So Terry, we are running out of time now. Um, please close by letting. Um, well, what are some final thoughts yeah. you'd like to leave our listeners with, and then how do they get in touch with you? Thank you, Jeff, so much. Now, well, again, thank you so much for having me on and for the opportunity to really talk with you. I love it. And, and to talk with your the audience. You know, I think that I would just like to say that, you know, if you are really in a place of, of, of looking at opportunity and, and growth and, or you're feeling stagnant, um, or you know that you have some gaps in your business where you, you again, you, you want greater training for your team or you want consistency, you want to make more money, you wanna be more profitable. You know, I invite you to visit Apex, apxplatform.com. You can schedule a demo. Um, again, Paco and Heather were our early adopters. There's great feedback from them on the website. Um, so apexplatform.com to book a demo with my team. You can certainly reach me at uh, terry at terryross.com and then follow me on social media, which is Terry Ross Consulting. Um, that would be great. You know, love to uh, love to hear about your practice and how we can serve and support you. And that's T-E-R-R-I, I as an igloo, correct? Yes, T-E-R-R-I at T-E-R-R-I-R-O-S. And I'll make one comment just at the very end because it's the regulatory person in me that every state treats these devices differently. So before you make a giant purchase of a medical device, just make sure how your state treats it in terms of the type of personnel you need to run those machines. Um, and it's evolving. Even sometimes the state regulatory boards aren't explicit and you need to do a deeper dive. But uh, Terry, this has been educational for me. I have a feeling I'm going to be taking your classes pretty soon, only because it never, 
Well, I think that all of us could use extra knowledge as it relates to financial modules, sales modules, et cetera. So thanks for taking time and, and joining us today. And to our audience, we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, so much. Thanks, everybody. And with that, we're at the end of our broadcast. Thanks for joining us. In closing, a few messages. If you're an existing member of medical or dental justice and you find yourself on the receiving end of a medical legal threat, please contact us at 1-877-MEDJUST. That's 1-877-MEDJUST or 633-5878. Our STAT hotline is a service offered to all current members. It's designed to get your urgent medical legal questions answered ASAP. Members can also access a plethora of exclusive medical legal resources by logging into their members-only page, which can be accessed by our website, medicaljustice.com. Now, we want to protect as many doctors as possible. If one of your colleagues is in trouble, please refer him. When a current member of medical justice refers a colleague and that colleague becomes a member, you both receive a month of free protection. To refer a colleague, write to us at infonews, that's I-N, Epison Frank O News at medicaljustice.com. That's infonews at medicaljustice.com. Now, if you're not an existing member of medical or dental justice, but want to bulletproof your practice from medical legal threats, our admin, Wendy Cates, is your best resource for information about our protection plans, implementation best practices, and pricing models. Wendy can be reached directly at 336 358 5587. We offer discounts for large groups and protect doctors of all specialties in all states. Now, before we close, one last request. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a review on your preferred podcast provider and share our podcast with your colleagues. Reviews help maintain our podcast visibility, which in turn helps us reach a broader audience. This helps us protect more doctors. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you'll join us on the next episode of the Medical Liability Minute.